Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Awesome All? I'm Petey Mack with Greg Ehrenberg. Today, as we hit this MLB slate, we were just talking about wood. That's what we're on to here as uh, we roll through, get things fired up on this Tuesday. And it's not your usual baseball Tuesday. I'm ready for some 15-game slates. Let's fire it up. And it's still, you had these starting times all over the place, Greg. Yeah, you know, and it's something like once I, I said this yesterday also is people could just come at me on Twitter, GMberg DFS. If there's a different way you want us to talk about the games uh, other than just the main slate, let me know. But right now we're constructing the strategy shows early in the morning. It is so difficult to talk about just all the games when it's like, oh, this game is on FanDuel, this game isn't on DraftKings, this game is on neither slate. So I just find it really confusing to talk about stuff other than the main slate. But 
yeah, if people, if people feel differently and they want to talk about other stuff, then for sure hit me up and we could adjust because season just starting. We're still kind of trying to figure out the schedule on the fly, which, uh, by the way, Pete, also the first time that we're, we're working together, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm sure, I assume you've heard this before. If I close my eyes, I would think you were Matt Vaskurgeon. <laughs> I have I- heard that before. Uh, I don't. It's a cool compliment, I, and he's I, 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 he's terrific Sunday Night Baseball, now the Angels and all that, uh, and I've gotten that a little bit for the the looks of the beard, and I'm a little short guy, so um, yeah, I have I have heard that before. I don't know I, I don't know how um, why I sound like him, I guess. Yeah, that I, well, it's not I, intentional. <laughs> no, it's it, it's it just sounds like a thing. It's it's the same inflection, and then just your guy's voice sounds the same, also, and then and then also there's the baseball crossover. But yeah, I was mm. just thinking that as we started, I was like, oh. I'm Santa Maria. Yeah. <laughs> See, I got to work on that. I don't know if I can hit that level the same way that Matt does, but <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Hey, um, how about just, you know, real quick looking at last night, I'm a Mets fan. So I was dialed in to Mets Phillies and I'm sure a lot of players were last night as well. I know the, I put a single entry last night on DraftKings, and Jacob DeGrom was 82% owned uh, in the GPP. So he, a lot of people had eyes on him. Didn't end up being one of the top two pitchers last night because the Mets metsed him uh, again. But it's it's wild to me, and, and this has been one of the big things to watch in the opening week. Seventy-seven pitches. Jacob Degrom is cruising. He's throwing one hundred and two miles per hour, and they take him out after six innings and seventy-seven pitches. How are you supposed to get big numbers with these top pitchers when nobody's willing to push him? Yeah, well, it's not like it's not like he didn't have a good fantasy game or anything. I'm just gonna yeah, pull back. Like, I mean, all, I think off the top of my head, he finished. It was like with 25.4 DraftKings points. It was you know six shutout innings. Uh, so it was uh, Rodon was one. Who else outscored him? Dustin May. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's what's really hard about it. Also, is if you were to ask me about pitchers that were going to be on pitch restrictions last night, like I would have said number one that I'd be most concerned about in terms of guys that are actually viable, not like crappy guys who are close to mid price but yeah like Dustin May would have been the number one guy that I was most concerned with the pitch count with and instead you know it's Jacob DiRamo ends up being on on a pitch count so I think there's a couple of takeaways from this and how to approach some of the slates going forward number one in terms of DeGrom last night I, I was going to be on him in basically almost all my lineups no matter what and in general that still worked out fine that didn't end up really end up really being an issue uh, but then I look at tonight where you know we have a bunch of stud starting pitchers uh Tyler Glass now who has already been on uh somewhat of a pitch restriction in his first start the most got you Darvish Lucas Giolito Clayton Kershaw James Paxton I don't really want to be too over invested in any one guy when we have this many options because I don't know what the pitch counts are going to look like for these guys for the first couple weeks of the season right this is a relatively short turnaround from last year uh it's also then we're looking at this season where uh, a bunch of guys didn't get all that much work in spring training so it is a little hard to know. Are these guys going to be allowed to work a hundred pitches? Are they going to be coming out at 75? So I'm going to be looking at a lot of these guys and I'm going to say like, Hey, I'm going to add a little bit of variance to my lineup. I'm going to put a randomness on a little bit higher in fantasy cruncher than I normally would. And I'm going to try to be a little bit more spread out at the top of the high end of pitching. Cause I think there is a little more variance than we normally see. Yeah. I, I think you can say at least two guys tonight, you wouldn't expect to really put in a full workload. One being Marcus Stroman of the Mets, because you listen to Luis Rojas, the Mets manager, his thoughts on why they pulled the Grom. He's like, well, we had a delay going into the season, so he hadn't pitched in 10 days, so I didn't want to make him go deep into a game. So you got to think Stroman's capped at about 80 pitches. And the other guy will be Max Scherzer because Washington's playing their first game in the season, and Scherzer has had the same kind of layoff that DeGrom did. So 
We'll see how Dave Martinez and the Nationals decide to handle that. But I, I wouldn't expect to get, you know, anything more than six innings out of guys like Scherzer and Stroman tonight. No, definitely not. And maybe even less if they're not pitching economically. Uh, yeah. So like I said, I mean, it just adds a little bit more variance, a little more randomness. But at least for MLB DFS, I actually don't mind that all that much because I think there are ways to, uh, you know, kind of manipulate the ownership in terms of, you know, I think there's always going to be pitchers who, if we're going to say they're like, hey, I'm not sure what to expect here. And then we go look at the ownership and somebody's like, oh, my God, this guy's projecting for, you know, 60 percent ownership. And there's somebody who's comparable with 15 percent ownership. Then I know where I want to go in GPPs with with more of my exposure. So um, that, that's really how I feel like for for baseball DFS. I think that we could take advantage of of the uncertainty and the randomness and then just hope that we end up on the right side of variance there. But yeah, I mean, I think the pitch counts are going to be really difficult to call, especially because we had no clue that DeGrom was going to be coming out around 77 pitches before the game yesterday. I just assumed he was, he was full go. And it was an easy 77 pitches. Yeah, he was, he was in, he wasn't in trouble at all. He was cruising. He's throwing 102 miles per hour, silky smooth. (laughs) I mean, the best pitcher on the planet now added two or three miles per hour. It's nuts. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that'll impact slates going forward, uh, but mm-hmm. it does seem like it's something we're not going to know until after the slate ends and not before mm-hmm. it. And then we'll look back and be like, oh, of course, DeGrom oh, like yeah. there 77 pitches. I, I knew that. I'm sure people will say that on Twitter afterwards. I knew that this was going to happen. It's like, well, you didn't say until after the game ended. <laughs> and the, the other big story last night, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. hurting his shoulder, uh, a subluxation, which is a partial dislocation. Uh, so we'll be reevaluated later today and we'll find out more what's happening there. It doesn't necessarily mess you up too much. You know, he's not going to be in the lineup for the Padres tonight, uh, but obviously not a great thing for baseball in general to uh, lose one of um, one of the stars to sign this huge contract this offseason uh, so soon into into the year. Uh, if you can't watch your favorite Awesomeo shows on YouTube, no, almost all of our Awesomeo YouTube shows are available through the Awesomeo Podcast Network. We've got a podcast for every sport available on every major platform. So you can head on over to awesomeo.com slash podcast to check out the latest and check this out. If you leave a five-star rating and review on one of our podcasts with your Twitter handle or email address, you'll be eligible to win a free week of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday and reviews to be eligible to win up to one year. Uh, so good luck and slam those five-star reviews for us. Also, give us a like, subscribe, so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. And once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. So as Greg mentioned off the top, we're going to throw the day games and the 6 o'clock something starts out the window and just hit the main slate, eight games beginning at 7.05 in the first game. Uh, that we'll hit on. We'll feature the Mets and the Phillies. We talked a little bit about Marcus Stroman. Uh, you also have the Phillies, and it's kind of odd with today's streak because you have some of the aces out there, and then you also have these fifth starters, and Chase Anderson being one of those guys as uh, the Phillies try to move to 5-0 and on the season. What jumps out to you about this game, Greg? Yeah, so uh, let's start talking about some of the pitchers here, and Starting with uh, Marcus Stroman uh, on FanDuel, I don't think there's any reason to consider him where we only need one pitcher on DraftKings. I don't think there's any need to consider him where we roster two pitchers. Because like you said before, after Jacob deGrom only threw 77 pitches yesterday, I can't have confidence in any of these pitchers for the Mets going deep into games going forward. The other thing also, Marcus Stroman, who's a great pitcher, but a better real-life pitcher than a fantasy pitcher. Not a guy who really racks up a whole bunch of strikeouts. More of a pitch-to-contact pitcher, pretty heavy ground balls. 
Uh, so I look at him, his price at 8,600 on DraftKings. And even though he is one of the better pitchers on the slate, we look at our top pitchers tool on the site, and he only has an 8% chance to land in the optimal lineup today. So we look at all the high-end pitchers on the slate, you know, James Paxton, Clayton Kershaw, Glassnow, Darvish, Giolito. And it's just hard to imagine that that Stroman really has the upside of those guys, especially when we consider the uh, the pitch restriction issue. And then on the other side of the game, Chase Anderson, uh, another guy who is a pitch to contact pitcher, but is also just generally not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. So pretty easy for me to uh, avoid the pitchers on both sides of this game for DFS purposes. And it is in Philadelphia where we know the ball can't jump out. The over-under is about nine runs for this game. Uh, are you looking you know, to try to stack against either of these two? The, the Mets lineup, pretty disappointing last night. I mean, DeGrom had to provide some of the offense with a, an RBI hit. Yeah, so I think we have to talk about this slate also in the context of what I am prioritizing. When I'm looking at offenses, I want to target. So like I mentioned before, there are a whole bunch of stud pitchers on the slate. And how this is different from yesterday's slate, uh, we had Jacob DeGrom. And then we just had a whole bunch of just high-variance, crappy SB2s to choose from. So, like, Carlos Rodon was really popular. Uh, and then we had some other options, you know, like Anton Desclafani, uh, Justice Sheffield off the top of my head. But it was a whole bunch of guys like, I don't know what to make of any of them except for that they were all cheap. So, when I was looking at offenses, right, and DeGrom also at 10700 on DraftKings yesterday, much cheaper than we normally see him, we were kind of able to spend for whatever bats we wanted to. And the reason that this slate is different is because there are so many high-end pitchers that I think are good options, and I don't really think we have very many cheap pitchers that are good options. I'm going to have to prioritize looking for value stacks as opposed to yesterday where I was just looking at, okay, which teams do I think have a chance to score a lot of runs? And I'm comparing that to the projected ownership, and I'm saying which offense are going under-owned. This is totally different in terms of how I'm looking at it because now I'm prioritizing a lot higher if you go on our our top stacks to on awesome.com. I'm really prioritizing the top value percentage and looking at which teams have the chance to uh, be the best offense on a points per dollar basis. So I have the wiggle room to spend up for pitchers. So the Mets are in a really good spot against Chase Anderson, Chase Anderson, uh, right-handed pitcher and the Mets were one of the best offensive baseball against righties last year. Also, I think that Pete Alonso is uh, going to bounce back and have a much stronger year this season. However, the Mets are really expensive. And given that this is a team, uh, only 5% chance of being the top value on the slate, 8% chance to overall be the top stack, and they're also fairly expensive, uh, fairly popular, picking up double-digit ownership. I look at all that, I think they're going a little bit over-owned. I think they're too pricey to be able to fit into my uh, lineup builds I'm looking to make. So uh, this makes the Mets uh, stack I'm looking to go under-owned on in uh, GPPs. No, I, I will say something to watch will be the Mets against, uh, especially right-handers. They faced Matt Moore, a left-hander yesterday, so the lineup didn't have Dom Smith in it. But you look at the projected lineup, five of their first six are going to be hitting from the left side. When you throw Lindor, a switch hitter into all of that, and then you have Nimmo, Conforto, Dom uh, Smith, and, and Jeff McNeil. So it's possible they could launch a little bit. But as you mentioned, uh, those um, the value might not be there uh, for the Mets to, to hope that they're going to put it together and and launch against Chase Anderson. Yeah. And and that's it. And then something else I I do when I do these shows in the morning is I do just build stacks of every team just to kind of see like, okay, which teams, if I was to target anybody from this team would be somebody that stands out. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean like Dominic Smith at 4,100, he would be, you know, an okay play from that's Jeff McNeil, who uh, by the way, launched a ball yesterday to the deepest part of citizens bank park. And I think if you looked at the baseball savant number, I think, uh, the expected batting average was like 970 on the ball that he hit to the gap yesterday, and it just barely missed being 
I think it was a three run homer at the time, but those are the two guys that I would look at uh, the most if I had to make a Mets stack. And then McNeil actually, I think is a one-off bat at only 3,800 on DraftKings. He would be the overall uh, best play from the Mets. But once again, just a team that's a very low priority for me. Next game will hit uh, Tampa Bay taking on Boston at Fenway Park. The Red Sox, they were actually the stack to have in the uh, the perfect lineup on DraftKings with Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Alex Verdugo, and Franchi Cordero all ending up in the uh, the perfect lineup from last night. And J.D. Martinez is off to a, a heck of a start this season, which is obviously a big change from last year. Martinez, 8 for 15, a couple of home runs in the first four games this season. Uh, he is someone who said, he was totally unprepared last year. And it seemed like he was just sitting on the couch during the, the early portions of COVID said, Hey, there's not going to be a season. I'm not going to prepare the way that I did. And all of a sudden there was a season and he stunk last year. Uh, so if there's a bounce back potential for somebody, maybe you can just throw last year out the window for JD Martinez and hope he goes right back to the kind of slugger he was for years before that. You know, what's funny is I'm just going to pull up the numbers for JD Martinez really quick. Cause off the top of my head, I think he's always been a slow starter. So I'm just going to fan graphs right now and looking up his splits for first and half season of his career. Um... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And all right, maybe his career not... was a slow start. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Also, um, all right, so maybe not actually. He's had a couple of years recently where he's been better in the second half of the season, the first half of the season, but it hasn't really been the case for his career. Uh, that is something I do think about. Just big picture thing, though is players who have generally been slow starters in their career, which, by the way, I was wrong. That's not been J.D. Martinez's M.O. for his career. It just has been for the last couple of years. But I do wonder, guys who have generally started slow, and last year we had such a small season where it's, you know, guys who's like, you know, they're usually not playing as well as they normally do for the first 30, 40 games of the season. It takes them a little while to get going. When you look at last year's numbers, they might have just sucked for most of the year, and it might have just been because that's kind of how they play. They generally tend to be guys who are uh, slower starters, but – no, I agree with you. I, I don't really have too many concerns about J.D. Martinez coming into this year. I'm also taking last year's numbers because of the weirdness of it with a little bit of a grain of salt. That and also is a small sample size. But J.D. Martinez has been one of the best hitters in baseball for, you know, a, a little while now. And I think that he should bounce back and be uh, much better this season. If we look at his uh, outlook for this slate, um, I'm curious where the ownership is on him right now. And if people are... Uh, hip to the fact that maybe he's going to be a little bit more effective this year. Um, yeah, he's, oh, he's going up against Tyler Glass now tonight, so I wouldn't expect the ownership numbers to be too high. No, it's uh, but I was just kind of curious where it is. But it's yeah, he's, he's literally projected for zero ownership tonight, uh, which I think kind of makes him interesting as a one-off. But yeah, looking at the overall uh, outlook for the offenses on this slate, uh, for the Red Sox, like you mentioned, going up against Tyler Glass now, I wouldn't be interested in stacking the Red Sox. But if somebody like J.D. Martinez is actually going to hold with – uh, literally 0.1% ownership through lock, then yeah, as, as a one-off, if you're playing multiple lineups, that wouldn't be an awful option. Uh, if you do look at our top stacks tool, the Red Sox are actually going slightly under-owned, uh, but that's not saying much. The reason they're going under-owned is because they have no ownership going up against Tyler Glass now. And uh, certainly if I'm rostering one side of this game, I would have much more interest in uh, Glass now than I do the Red Sox. There's really five pitchers on this slate that I have a lot of interest in. 
Uh, Tyler Glass now is one of them. It's Giolito, Darvish, Glass now, Kershaw, and Paxton. I'm going to be mixing and matching those five guys together. Uh, so Glass now, even if he does give up a couple of runs, the strikeout upside is so high for him. And also his, his command is much more under control than it's been over the last couple of years. Uh, we've seen for the last about year now for Glass now, he's throwing a lot more strikes. And then even on the off games where he's, you know, walking two or three guys, the strikeouts are so high that it offsets any runs that he gives up for DFS purposes. What about the fact that he's pulled after six innings in the opener? There, there is a little bit of a limit on Glass now. Does that give you any pause to, to go all in on him? Well, I, I'm definitely not going all in on him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be mixing and matching with those top guys. But even so, I mean, I look at Glass now. He's not typically been a guy who's traditionally worked all that, all that deep into games anyway. But the strikeout numbers are so high yeah. that it doesn't really matter quite as much. I mean, still, I mean, opening day, he ended up with six strikeouts in that game. You go back to last year, his final start to the regular season. Uh, he pitched his last start of uh, last season. He ended up with over 30 fantasy points in five innings just because he had double-digit strikeouts. So, I mean, that's always been a thing with Glass now is his strikeout numbers uh, per inning are, you know, as as high as anybody in baseball. And I I think that of anybody who uh, might not work deep into games, he's one of the ones I'm least concerned about just because that's not something he normally does anyway. And then on the other side, uh, Martin Perez is going for Boston, the left-hander at Fenway. Yeah, uh, Perez Perez is kind of interesting from the standpoint of n- not as a pitcher himself because he's uh, not good. But one thing that's always kind of been interesting about him from fantasy purposes, he's been a guy who really consistently would be like, hey, six innings, three runs, six runnings, four runs. Like never games that are good for uh, starting pitcher purposes. But he's kind of tended to limit the damage a lot a lot of times more often than than not. But I look at some of the numbers here that we have on our top stacks tool where – uh, the Tampa Rays have the third best odds of being the highest scoring team on the slate, but yet they're picking up almost no ownership. Uh, so we've got them with over 10% chance to be the top scoring team of the day, but only project for 5% ownership. Mm. So it's a pretty strong leverage score. So I consider that and also fairly favorable pricing on the Rays. So uh, this is a team that I'm, I'm going to be targeting in stacks. And a lot of right-handed pop in this uh, Rays lineup. They could go to Yandy Diaz, uh, figure Arizona is finding his way into some lineups tonight. And then, um, you know, Mike Brasso in the, uh, in the middle of the order. Yeah. So uh, a Rosarina at 4,900 is definitely to me, the best overall right-handed hitter on the Rays. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does for a follow-up. Cause I mean, personally, I do have a bet on him to an AO rookie of the year this year. I think he should be a pretty heavy favorite, but I ask you just in general, like what are you expecting from a Rosarina this year? Cause he's somebody who kind of came out of nowhere last year and then just crushed in the playoffs. So what, like, what do you think he's going to be an all-star level player this year? Like, I think that, I think there's the chance that he's one of the best players in baseball this season. Yeah. I, I don't see why he can't be uh, one of the, the better hitters uh, going out there as look, you do it in the postseason like that, you know, baseball could be a confidence game too, a little bit. And uh, if you could do it against the best pitchers in the game in October and feel good about yourself in that way going into a season and have that kind of confidence. I mean, look, I, I think you, I think he'll play. I mean, he made a big defensive play last night too. I know it doesn't impact the daily fantasy stuff, but you know, there are multiple ways for him to impact a game. So yeah, I, I like your rookie of the year bet there. 
Yeah, and then uh, so he's a little expensive, but the rest of the bats here, we could get a lot of guys that are pretty favorable price. That you mentioned, Yanni Diaz, he's only thirty nine hundred on DraftKings. Uh, Willie Adamas, who's cheap on both Fanduel and DraftKings, uh, something to keep an eye on is Kevin Kiermeyer left last game's early last left left last night's game early. That that was a lot harder to say than I thought it was going to be. Left last <laughs> night's game early, but yeah, he left last night's game early with an injury, so it remains to be seen if he's going to play or not tonight. Uh, Manny Margot who had some big games in the playoffs. He's also priced under 4K on both FanDuel and DraftKings. So the, the Rays do look like a team that's reasonably priced and has upside. There are a couple of hitters. Like I mentioned, Rosarina is expensive. Joey Wendell's expensive. Uh, Brandon Lau is expensive. But there's a way you could very cheaply stack this offense. Mm-hmm. I think it gives you upside. The Red Sox, I think, they have an awful bullpen this year as well. Uh, so even after uh, they get past Martin Perez, I think this is a favorable matchup for the Rays. Uh, so yeah, this, this is looking like one of the lower, uh, one of, one of the teams that's going way under owned in GPPs. And I always like Mike Zanino is a little dart throw in there. He's always, always capable of having that two homer game for you. Yeah. And that's something that's hard to get out of catchers, right? Like catchers yeah. are a really difficult position to get fantasy production out of. And Mike Zanino is a catcher who's relatively cheap, who uh, might go for four with three strikeouts, or he might go uh, one for four with three strikeouts and a home run, but that's, get that's that variance. Kind of, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I like from a catcher in DFS. MLB's opening week is here, and we've got a deal for you. Get your first nine days of Awesome O Plus MLB for just nine bucks when you use promo code STARTING9. That's ending with the, the numeral nine. The promo runs through April 9th, and this will give you access to everything we have to offer for MLB DFS. The player projections, ownership projections, top stacks, which we've been talking about plenty so far in this show, lineup builder, and also the premium Slack channel. Again, this offer's valid through April 9th. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Osimo Plus MLB today. Uh, next up on the slate, the Brewers and the Cubs. You have a, a slight wind blowing out at Wrigley. Shouldn't be a huge factor, but it is warm uh, in Chicago. We know the weather was pretty good last night, and the ball did fly out of the ballpark, even if there weren't a, a ton of runs, a lot of solo homers, as the Cubs won that game 5-3. to three. Uh, Freddie Peralta, uh, making the start for Milwaukee, Greg. Yeah, I think this is a pretty neutral game all around, meaning like I, I don't really have interest in Freddie Peralta as a pitcher. He's somebody else who I'm a little concerned about the workload with because Peralta, we've seen him come out of the bullpen in the past. We've seen him start, and I'm not sure how deep he's going to be allowed to work into the game. The other thing also is, you know, I look at him on DraftKings where he's only $500 less expensive than somebody like James Paxton. And then on FanDuel, Peralta, a little cheaper at 6400 but I don't think he really needs to be considered on a one-pitcher site. Uh, so he's kind of a guy who I don't really have interest in rostering him, but then stacking against him also doesn't really look super favorable. The Cubs only 5% chance to be the top uh, scoring team on the slate in our top stacks tool. And then on the other side, I kind of feel similarly about uh, about Azale, where he's somebody who at 7400 uh, he's picking up no ownership, but I also don't think he's going to work particularly deep into the game. And then on the Milwaukee side of the game, it's a team who yesterday, by the way, I didn't like the Brewers as a stack just based on what their ownership was. It was a team that even though yesterday we had them projected as one of the top odds to be one of the best scoring teams on the slate, at the same time, we had them projected with like 10% odds to be the top scoring team on the slate, but an ownership share where they were projected for like 20% ownership. And we have something similar today. They have an 8% chance to be the top scoring team on the slate, but they're picking up 17% ownership. They're projected to be the most chalky stack on the entire slate as of now. So with that information in mind, I don't want to be on the Brewers because I think they're going wildly over So I'd rather stack up other teams. And then just like yesterday, 
I'm just going to be hoping that the Brewers don't go off and score a lot of runs because that would be the fastest way to sync my lineups. Uh, but, but those are the kind of ownership plays I'm always looking to make in baseball. If a team's going that highly owned and it doesn't match up with their odds being the top scoring team, I, w- I won't be on them. And part of that is the Brewers are one of the best values tonight as far as the stacks go. And you have some high-end pitchers that you're going to have to pay up for. Yeah, so like I'm going to have some Brewers plays as one-offs in my lineups. But to stack them up as a whole, I just think that's going to be too similar to what the field is doing. And it doesn't match up with their odds of actually being the top stack on the slate. So like Christian Yelich is going to be one of the most popular pay-up options on the slate. He was yesterday and... Uh, it definitely wasn't something that went well for the people who rostered a whole bunch of Christian Yelich, uh, but some individual guys, you know, like Colton Wong, uh, uh, Keston Hyura, Luis Urias. These are all guys who I'm going to be mixing in as one-offs, uh, but then I'm just hoping that I'm going to differentiate myself by not going with full Brewer stacks as, as I feel a lot of the field is going to be going with, uh, at least based on what our current ownership stands. Next up, the Blue Jays uh, will be in Texas once again. This is a Blue Jays 6-2 to two win yesterday. Tanner Roark against Dane Dunning. That's uh, a banner, banner pitching matchup. Is well, it's day five. This you have the back end of the rotation guys going at it, and the over under on this game relatively high and nine and a half in Texas. Yeah. So Dane Dunning though is somebody who's kind of uh, mildly interesting to me. I'm going to pull up his numbers really quick. Um, but still, I mean, a, a young pitcher who showed a lot of strikeout upside last year with the White Sox. He, uh, in limited starts, I mean, he pitched pretty well at a 3.97 ERA, 3.68 expected ERA, 3.99 FIP, struck out over a hitter per inning. And then you look at his minor league numbers, where he pretty regularly struck out 10 to 11 hitters per nine innings. Uh, so Dane Dunning, I don't think he, I don't think he's bad. He's only 26. I think there's potential for a little bit of upside there. There was a point in time where Dane Dunning was one of the better pitching prospects in baseball, and he's performed reasonably well during the time that he's been up at the big league level so uh, I look at what the current ownership is on him and if this doesn't change I mean he's projected for you know sub one percent ownership right now Uh, I don't think a matchup against the Blue Jays is favorable by any means I think the Blue Jays are one of the best young offenses in baseball but uh, Dane Dunning who if if there's a if there's a pitcher I'm looking to roster isn't one of the core five guys I mentioned earlier uh, Dane Dunning for like no ownership and some strikeout upside is somebody who I think is uh a decent way to mix into the player pool and differentiate in GPPs. Well, one thing I'm seeing now, it seems like Taylor Hearn will act as an opener for the Rangers from the left-hand side, and then uh, they might mix in Dunning there. How does that change your attitude about a pitcher where you don't have to go against the the top three of, let's say, Semyon Biggio Bichette and kind of start your way in the middle of the lineup? Yeah, as long as nothing changes, like as long as Dane Dunning is still expected to come in and pitch a significant amount of in- innings after the opener, like I don't really sweat the opener, at least on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it matters more just because if somebody doesn't start, they can't get the quality start bonus. But for DraftKings purposes, it doesn't really matter. We're just looking at outs and what guys do uh, in their time on the mound. I, the only thing I'd be wary of is just looking at uh, any reports. And if there's a thing like, hey, Dunning's only going to work two or three innings, then it's easy enough to take him out of the player pool. But you know, if he's going to be able to work – five or six innings, but he's just going to be out of the bullpen. Like that doesn't really matter to me. And you like Dunning, but uh, the stack tools of the Blue Jays have a 10.8% chance of being the top stack uh, against Texas. So it, it's kind of a boomer bust right here. Yeah. Uh, still though, I do think the Blue Jays are going a little bit over-owned. Uh, like you said, uh, 11% chance about to be the top stack, but not really rating out as a very good value play. And then also ownership slightly over 12%. Uh, so the Blue Jays, 
I don't think they're going to be a really high priority for me. There's some other teams that are going a little bit lower owned that I'm going to want to get to before them. Uh, but yeah, also I don't mind having also for me, cause I play 150 lineups. Like it's not the end of the world to me. If it's like, Hey, I have 10 lineups with Dane Dunning and I have five lineups that are blue Jays stacks. Like I don't really have an issue with that I don't want them in the same lineup. Uh, but the blue Jays are going to be a team that I'm underweight to uh, versus the field. And then uh, as far as the, the other side goes as uh, Tanner Roark gets the start here, what I, there's only thing, uh, one thing I remember with Tanner Roark, and that's uh, Keith Hernandez coming back from a great a break on an SNY broadcast. You can look up what he said uh, when Tanner Roark didn't pitch particularly well on a given day. But, uh, you know, what do you make of Roark here? Yeah, Roark's a pitcher where I very, very rarely roster in DFS. Just another guy kind of pitched a contact pitcher, doesn't really strike out many batters. Uh, there was a time where he was decent a couple of years ago, except I don't think he's that pitcher anymore. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, for as good as their offense is, their uh, pitching staff definitely leaves a little bit to be uh, desired. The Texas Rangers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One thing that I think is kind of interesting about them is they are go. they are fairly popular, but we also have them as the highest odds of being the top value stack on the slate. So uh, I think they're worth getting into the player pool and definitely a team I'm going to be stacking up just because they fit into the lineup construction I want for today, right? So we're going to be able to roster Texas Rangers stacks with getting two of the stud pitchers in the lineup. So like we, could, we could do full stacks of the Rangers and roster Giolito and Darvish together with no issue. So uh, just because of the way they fit into lineups, that's, that's something I'm looking to do. And we've seen the Rangers already play some shootout type of games uh, with the Kansas City Royals in that opening series of the season. Uh, Remember, give us a like, subscribe, so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, all that more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows do go live. Now, one of the biggest edges in sports betting is always shopping to find the best line And we have a tool for you to do just that as betting lines, they change by the minute. They could vary greatly depending on which book you're using. Uh, So use Awesomeo's Odds Shopper to find the best line available on the game or the player prop that you're betting on and give you you an edge to try to beat the house. Head on over to oddsshopper.awesomeo.com. We compile the best bets available for game lines, player, player props, player and team futures, all updated in real time. And the content updated every day at awesomeo.com. Uh, so you can uh, you can check that out as well. But the uh, the odds shopper is just all in one place. Makes it easy. Nice and convenient. Right, Greg? Yeah. And I mean, so also, like, all right. So Pete Pete has, like, what? He's, he's got, like, what, eight, eight suits in his wardrobe? I saw, you know, the, the first show he did, he, he was wearing a suit for, like, who wears a suit on YouTube? But, yeah, I'll guarantee you, Pete didn't go to the mall and pick out the most expensive suit he could find there. What he did was he went, he compared did I the, no, you went, you compared the prices of the different suits. He found the one that was the best value. And that's what you could do with odd shopper where uh, we've got, we've got the price up for all the different games on the different sites. And you bet on the team that you find with the best price on it. So if you want to bet up, let's say the Dodgers tonight, maybe they're, you know, minus 190 on one book, minus 180 on another book. So you, you go, you go and you buy them where they're at the best price. 
I like just buying the most expensive suit. You know, that's what I go for. Try to try to style it up a little bit. Yeah, that's, whoa! Expensive doesn't always go. mean better, right? I mean, it looks, you're gonna if, win. You're gonna win. You gotta look yeah, like a winner. But I mean, if you, you bet, if you bet the Dodgers at minus two hundred, they're not any more likely to win than you bet them at minus one eighty. So they're expensive, not always better, Pete. I suppose that's true. Make a couple more bucks there, but with suits, you know, you gotta have the silky smooth. You gotta have some things going. You gotta have Listen, it fit it was, right. You gotta have I'm it not, all tucked up. I'm not saying it was the best analogy, but it was it was what I improved <laughs> in the moment. I'm a little hot for the suits. I'll tell you what, I put this suit on. It was the first time I wore anything like that in over a year. After the show, I was like, oh, this is pit sweat again. Like, I'm back in this world. I've been wearing T-shirts and flip-flops and all this and living comfortably, uh, comfortably for the last 13, 14 months. And then I, I decided to go with the suit. It's uh, it a little different. Kind of throwback in a bad way. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I couldn't pull off the suit. I'm, I, well, I last time you get- wore a suit, Greg. Oh, gee, when was my bar mitzvah? That was, <laughs> that was, that was a lot of years ago. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, hit the next one on the slate. I think this is going to be one of the real interesting games, and that's Arizona and Colorado. And as we know, weather is a big factor when it comes to baseball. It's not just Coors Field. Did you just jump on Coors Field? You know you're likely to get a lot of runs there, but it's going to be rainy in Denver tonight. Uh, there's a possibility of some snow in the mix, and it's going to be obviously cold uh, when that is the case. So it's just kind of a, a nasty night in Colorado as Luke Weaver goes up against Herman Marquez. And I think this will be one of those games you kind of have to watch the weather on going up to game time. Yeah, and the other thing, too, it's a course Field game, so it's really difficult to avoid it for DFS purposes. Coors Field really the bane of the existence of DFS. Like, I, can we can we just do away with this stadium? Because it's a game where it's like, oh, the offense is, they're in a mediocre spot, but still it's Coors Field just randomly the ball's flying out. There's 25 runs scored in a game. Or sometimes, you know, they're really popular and just no team score offense. It's really hard to predict, but it's also something that I always want to have some exposure to for GPPs. Um, the Colorado side of the game looks a little bit more favorable. Uh, they have uh, about 10% odds to be the top scoring team on the slate. It's uh, about even with what their ownership is. They also rate out uh, fairly decently from a, uh, from a value perspective, the Arizona side, a little bit over-owned, uh, but I, I still, there's so much upside here that I, I can't avoid it entirely in my player pool. And at least relative to what we normally see at cores, it's not all that uh, expensive. I definitely have a little bit more favor towards the, the uh, Colorado side, just because there are some individual bats that are really cheap. Uh, just pulling up the pricing right here. Uh, so at least on DraftKings, some guys that I would really want to be targeting. Uh, Rymel Tapia, if he ends up in the lineup, he's dealing with a little bit of a neck injury, but he's only 3,400. Uh, Ryan McMahon, 3,700. Elias Diaz, who's like going to be starting catcher, he's 2,900. CJ Crone is 3,700. Uh, then I'll bring up some of the FanDuel pricing and looking at some of the Rockies bats. Uh, we've got Josh Fuentes is 3,100. Tapia is only 3,400 on FanDuel. Charlie Blackman, 3,900 is a little pricey, except relative to what we normally see Blackman when he's playing at Coors Field, that's cheaper than what we would expect. So uh, the Rockies bats here on both FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, I think that this offers uh, a decent amount of value relative to what we normally see at Coors Field. Yeah, it's interesting with the Rockies, now that they don't have Nolan Arenado in the middle of this lineup, Trevor Story, Charlie Black, those are the big names that jump out at you. There's not a whole lot other than that. And look, Julio Arias went in there and threw, I think it was six terrific innings uh, against the Rockies this past series. Uh, Trevor Bauer had a no-hitter through, what, five innings in his Dodgers debut there at Coors Field. And this isn't 
this isn't the Blake Street Bombers that you have there in Colorado at this point. No, it's a terrible, terrible offense. But the but the 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 hitting conditions are so favorable to 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 hitters that it's course field. Like there's just going to be games that shoot out and score a lot of runs. And it's still a thing where I have to look at some of the tools we have on the side and be like, hey, the Rockies have the fourth best odds of being the highest scoring team on the slate. So therefore, I just can't totally avoid it. And there's going to be really bad offenses that go into Coors Field and sometimes put up a lot of runs. And the absence of Arenado, like it would seem like it matters a lot. But at the same time, too, it makes the Rockies cheaper. So it's going to be making them mm-hmm. easier to get to on a lot of slates. Uh, so for DFS purposes, like, it's not going to be something that significantly changes how I approach the Rockies at Coors Field. And I saw Luke Weaver, the Diamondbacks pitcher tonight. He's a top two value on the Osimo pitching uh, chart. So, you know, for Weaver, is he a a guy that you take a chance on at some point? I know you're looking at more higher end pitchers uh, tonight than Weaver. No, definitely not a course field. Um, Weaver's actually somebody who, when he first broke into the big leagues, there was not very many pitchers at the time that I was higher on from a young pitcher's perspective. Like, do you remember how good he was when he first came up? Sure. Uh, let me pull up his numbers really quick, but yeah, I mean like Luke Weaver, if I remember correctly, like the first year when he came up, number one, he was one of the best young pitching prospects in baseball at the time. Uh, but then also he was producing like ridiculously good fantasy results to where, all right, pulling up the fan graphs page. So yeah, the first year he came into the league, he had, uh, uh, an XFIP of 2.93. He was striking on nearly 11 hitters per nine innings. And yeah, it was one of the. Uh, like top 20 or so prospects in baseball at the time. So we first came out, I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a fantasy stud. And then he dropped off just so ridiculously quick for no reason. Like his his next year in the big leagues with the Cardinals, he had a 4.95 ERA, a 4.46 XFIP, and just couldn't strike guys out anymore. Uh, the strikeout numbers have bounced back a little bit since then, but he just hasn't showed the same promises at that point in time. So definitely somebody who my outlook on him is much lower than it was before. Uh, maybe bounces back, but Coors Field, not the time I'm going to take a chance on it. Yeah, you know, he's a, a quirky personality, too. I called some games for USA Baseball when Luke Weaver was there, and uh, I guess it was 2013. So he went to Japan. They played games there. He bought a, a glove that was bright pink, bright neon pink. He loved this glove. He nicknamed it Lola. Uh, but I think he's got to bust it out, right? I mean, if you have, if you name a glove and that becomes like your lucky thing, He's got to rock that in the big leagues. I'm disappointed. I haven't seen the bright pink neon mid out there. Hopefully it's legal and maybe that's holding it back. Yeah, isn't that one of the, cause I know uh, like the MLB is all those rules about uh, like what, like I know you're not allowed to wear, I think it's like white long sleeve uh, like shirt. Cause, cause that would just blend into the ball and make it really hard to see. Maybe it's one of those things where it would be like, Hey, this distracts the, uh, that would be like every creative player I've ever made in a video game that would just come out of you have like neon green cleats, like a purple <laughs> glove. Uh, but yeah, I assume that there's probably something like that where it'd be too distracting. You can't see. They're starting to let the cleats go now, which is good, but it's yes. There is too many, too many rules on the, uh, the uniforms there as far as that goes. And then, uh, the other end of this pitching matchup, Herman Marquez, he walked the ballpark against the Dodgers in his first outing and yet really didn't give up a whole lot of runs as everybody was on the Dodgers, the big stack on opening day. Um, and, and Marquez, I don't know how he got away with it. It was like six walks and four innings. He only gave up two runs, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, overall, Marquez is really good. And I mean, if you had to pick a kind of pitcher who's going to be able to play a course field, number one, you have to have a really good fastball uh, definitely helps that he's able to 
uh, ramp it up in velocity because uh, we know breaking pitches don't move as much in course field at altitude than they do elsewhere. Uh, so that's one of the other reasons I think that the, the Dimebacks, even though I'm going to have some stacks of them, I'm going to be underweight to the field. Uh, I think that Marquez is much better than the public generally gives him credit for. Also, I mean, th- that first start against the Dodgers, let's give him a pass. Home start against arguably the best base, the best offense in baseball, defending champs at Coors Field. I think that's a really big ask. And yeah, I mean, if you just look at his numbers, uh, 4.59 Ks per nine innings, 13 and a half walks per nine innings that game. It was a it was a terrible start, and he was very lucky to not give up more runs. But I mean, overall, over the last couple of years, uh, Marquez has pitched fairly well at Coors Field, at least as well as you could ask anybody to to do. So uh, once again, like if I have to stack one side of this game and I'm going to be stacking uh, this game in GPPs, I prefer the Rocky side uh, and the Diamondbacks. I'm going to have another player pool, but I'll be underweight to the field in the GPPs, just given what their ownership is. And producer Tyler helping us out. Uh, according to the official baseball rules, a pitcher glove, a pitcher's glove can be any color except white or gray, as long as it's not distracting. So that would be a fun argument. I mean, look, is a neon pink glove distracting? By the way, what, but what is it? What is a, if, if not for the color, like what else about a glove could be distracting? I don't know. Maybe put some lights on it, some glitter. But, but that would be like color related. Like what you got, like, <laughs> what, like, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, what, like you just have like some long string that's hanging off of it. Maybe like, you put like a uh, ink blot on it or little spirals, make people dizzy. Uh, like a hypnotist. Like you're trying yeah. to, trying to hypnotize the battery. Just what else you going to, what else could it possibly be? Yeah, I want to hear know. that just, argument, though. I want to. I want to see the manager coming out of the dugout and arguing whether or not a neon pink glove is distracting or not. See, the thing that's funny about that, though, is because there's so many rules in baseball. Just like you know, there's all those like weird laws too. Like if you ever look up like goofy laws, like in New York City, you're not allowed to have a puppet show past like nine a nine p.m. <laughs> on certain streets. Like something happened, that law and those rules had to be put into play. So I just want to know, like, what was it? They're like, you can't have anything distracting on your glove. Like, what was like? Who was the guy who went out to pitch? He was like, no, I just, I just always have a naked lady painted on my glove, and he just went <laughs> out and the, and the hitters like couldn't deal with it. Like, there, there's something that initiated that rule being put into place. Somebody figured it out. Somebody hacked the code, right? Yeah, you know, somebody to had to that. decide. Dude, Vaseline is uh, the best way to throw this spitball, or you know, experiment with the pine tar and the suntan lotion and mixing it all together somebody's figuring all this stuff out i think i think a lot of pitchers are uh do, which also i mean I, so I, I saw so like last night carlos Ron clearly had some substance on his uh on the brim of his of his hat and i know that they're trying to cut down on that this year or at least they said they're going to who really cares like who's watching baseball and is like very upset that a pitcher is using some sort of substance to get a better grip on the, the ball. big thing is the hitters don't care the hitters, to some degree, want the pitchers to have a good grip on the baseball. So they're not getting a fastball to the head because the pitcher can't get a good grip when it's 30 degrees out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh- like, I'm sure if I'm a hitter and I'm just like, I can't hit like Jacob DeGrom, I'm going to be like, yeah, he's cheating. He has some sort of substance on him or whatever. But uh, the other thing, too, like, I don't understand somebody like if you're a fan at home, like, why do you care if the if the if the guys are if you think somebody's cheating? Like, it's like anything it, else. Who are these people watching golf that are, oh, he slightly moved the ball or took it out of the lie when he wasn't supposed to? People enjoy doing this stuff and feel like they're having an impact in the game on their couch because they're catching Michael Pineda with uh, chunks of pine tar in his hat on Sunday Night Baseball all those years ago. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that there's at some point, like I'm sure there's a break even point too. Like I'm sure if somebody's like doing something egregious where it's like they've just got a mound of like tar. Or well, that was Pineda. Like, he had it on his neck actually. It wasn't even on his hat or somewhere uh, really hidden. But but I mean, still, like I've never watched again. Being like, oh great, the pitchers pitchers got some substance in his glove. Can't watch now. Not a fun viewing experience. <laughs> like I, every pit, I want to see every pitch thrown. I want to see it look like it's thrown like a wiffle ball. Every hitter, mm. I want to see just juice to the tits and just hit hitting the ball <laughs> five hundred feet. Like ch- cheat, go like make the game more entertaining. Just straight arcade video game style baseball. Be like every yeah. other sport. This is where you know baseball gets banged for uh, steroids and all this stuff, and it's like. Nobody cares if basketball players test positive or something or NFL players, but baseball has the purity test that it has to try to cross. Well, the other thing, too, that I think helps, you know, like at, like basketball, they like hardly test. I mean, they actually caught two guys last year, like DeAndre Ayton and John Collins both got it was 30 or 40 game suspensions, uh, which I mean, uh, you got to really suck cheating to get caught in the in the basketball testing. And, and then, you know what? This should be Dusty Baker's argument for the whole thing. Because Dusty Baker last night is upset and he's whining that people being mean to the Astros as they were in L.A., Anaheim last night. Uh, so they, they dealt with some stuff. He's like, there are kids in the crowd. They're hearing these things. Why do we have so much anger in America? But this should be his argument. He's just been, dude, they cheated before I was here. They won. Winners. Boom. I'll do it again. Why not? And also, I like a heel. Right. Like that's, that's one of well, the, that's, that's like what we when, missed last year. To when some the, degree. Uh, so like when the Nets traded for James Harden, I was like, Oh, this is going to be the most disliked team in the NBA. I'm oh, here I... for it. That's fun. Right. Just, just this team, whoever, like, I just want them to lean into it. Like I want Harden to draw more fouls. I want people to get upset every time he touches the basketball. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about the Astros too. I'm massively invested in Astros futures this year. Uh, I have the Astros. I've been betting to win the division for the last like month or so. I have them at, uh, 28 to one to win the world series. I'm at 25 to one to win the world series. This is a team I think goes massively underrated just because nobody wants to bet on them other than me. Yeah. Well, or because George Springer led the left this off season. They didn't add much, but they've been impressive early on this season. No doubt sweeping four from the Oakland A's. Uh, look, we love to see the successes of our awesome plus members. So if you, if you have a big night in DFS using our tools, our advice, our content, Give us a shout on Twitter by tagging any of our hosts or Osimo social handles, and we'll be sure to retweet it from our at Osimo HOF account, where we compile winning screenshot shoutouts from the Osimo Plus community. So if uh, if Luke Weaver doesn't have his Lola mitt tonight and the Rockies go off, uh, be sure to give uh, give Greg some love, and uh, we'll send it out on the at Osimo HOF account. Also follow at Osimo MLB. Uh, you know, the first nine days of this year, check out our Osimo plus MLB deal. $9 when you use promo code starting nine for the first nine days of the season. That offer only valid through April 9th. So jump on that. Stop guessing. Start winning. Join Osimo plus today. Obviously, it's a big sports week as well. You got the Masters coming up. Uh, so later on today, the PGA Strategy Show will be at 1 o'clock to get up on that. The NHL Show coming your way at 2. NBA, the tip-off at 3. And then MLB Live before lock at 4 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. Uh, the Dodgers, we, we touched on them, what they did that opening weekend at Coors Field. Uh, a nice night last night, 10 runs for the Dodgers against the Oakland Athletics. We're quite the top stack of the day as uh, you know, the Boston Red Sox got into that. Uh, but the Dodgers 
have high leverage on the uh, the stack tool going into tonight's game in Oakland. Yeah, so the Dodgers were my favorite stack on yesterday's slate for that reason, where it was this is a team that yesterday we had them project for about 11% uh, odds to be the top-scoring team on slate, but only had a 3% ownership share. Uh, and I kind of feel similarly with them today. The only thing is it's going to make it really hard. Like I'm going to be overweight to the field on them. Uh, right now, picking up less than 1% uh, projected ownership as a stack. The only issue is that, like I said, the way I want to build my lineups is I really want to prioritize those high-priced pitchers, and that's going to be pretty hard to do if I'm making Dodgers stack. So I'm going to be overweight to the field on the Dodgers. Not hard to do because they're picking up literally no ownership. I mean, we're talking about a team, uh, arguably the best offense in baseball, project for less than 1% ownership as a team. Uh, we just kind of get into then, all right, if I'm stacking the Dodgers, mm. which individual bats can I roster that are cheap enough that allow me to get to some of those more expensive pitchers? And that's where I'd start to look at bats in the Dodgers lineup, like Gavin Lux, who's fairly cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, Chris Taylor, if he ends up starting, he had to leave last night's game of the injury. AJ Pollock is on the cheaper end. So I think there are ways to stack the tail end of the Dodgers lineup that will make it viable to uh, stack them with some of the uh, higher priced pitchers. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to get as overweight to the field as the Dodgers. I would have liked to just looking at the top stacks tool, uh, just because I do want to prioritize some of those stud pitchers and the Dodgers good bats are just so expensive today. Unless those are the stacks where hey, that's where you're throwing Dane Dunning in there and trying to find a value pitcher somewhere. Yeah. So if, if I'm going to be uh, rostering, you know, like one of those cheaper pitchers, that could be what I have to do to get to some of these Dodgers. Uh, something else that's also going to make them a little cheaper since Clayton Kershaw is starting uh, Austin Barnes is going to be catching. That's that's a uh, Kershaw's personal catcher. So uh, that's that's a DraftKings play. They're not a FanDuel play. It's uh, no real no real need on FanDuel to roster uh, crappy catchers when you don't have to play a catcher. But at least on DraftKings, it's a little more favorable. Uh, but yeah, it, it is definitely going to be hard to get two of the stud pitchers with the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw's first start of the year was at Coors Field, but really struggled in spring training for whatever that is worth. Uh, he walks in today with an ERA approaching eight. Again, one start that was at Coors Field. But this is one of the big names on the slate, one of the uh, higher priced pitchers on the slate the A's do a little pop in that lineup how confident are you in Clayton Kershaw when you start weighting him against Max Scherzer and some of the other options that are out there uh before I before I hit on that sorry to get uh, off track here I just wanted to answer something here because I thought it was interesting is we had uh uh Ken Ratty I assume that's how it's pronounced in the YouTube chat asked if I consider home plate umpires for for these games and the answer to that is no but kind of because I, like I'm not I'm not looking at the data and being like oh who is the home plate umpire for this game what are their uh, like what are they what are their splits in terms of being pitcher or hitter friendly if any if any umpire is like a real outlier in terms of like oh this guy's a really strong pitcher umpire hitters umpire I assume that's built into the Vegas data right like I don't think there's any sort of I don't think there's any sort of information that some guy sitting at home knows that odds makers don't know. And also, if you look at our projections on the site, they are incorporating the spreads and the lines and the team totals for these games. So it's all built in there, right? So I'm not, I'm not individually looking up who the umpires are and what I expect from those umpires. I assume it's just built into all the data already. And that's interesting. Obviously, there are some umpires that are more uh, pitcher-friendly, hitter-friendly. But it, if you look at it, I'm not sure how dramatic it is truly affects again. I don't think you're talking about, you know, three run swings with yeah, depending exactly. on who the home plate umpire is. It's very it's gonna be very tiny differences that just pop up every once in a while where an umpire becomes the story of a game, depending on what's happening. 
Yeah, so like there's there's no point to be like, oh my god, like uh like uh Angel Hernandez is is uh is the umpire for this game. Like I have to boost like the pitchers on both sides up twenty five percent. Like there's nothing like that. Uh, I'm assuming it would be a very, very minor impact to the total of a game. Mm-hmm. And it would be something that would be like, oh, like this is uh like a twentieth of a run is being added to each team, yeah. but also that would be incorporated into the projection. So it's it's all in there, but yeah, like it's it's not something that I think we should be weighing more heavily than the quality of the pitchers and the quality of the hitters in the game. And get back to my question from a few minutes ago, Kershaw. Uh, yeah, so Kershaw is. Uh, let's talk about this twofold. Number one, um, relative to the other high priced options on the slate, he's going to be my player pool, but he's my fifth favorite. So I prefer Giolito, Darvish, Glass now, and Paxton to Kershaw. Of a Kershaw, still in my top five pitchers, just not as much as those guys. My real concern here with Kershaw is we've seen the Dodgers so cautious with his workload over the last couple of years, and especially now that he's starting the year. Uh, I just don't know how deep he's going to be allowed to go into games. Also, he's not quite the same strikeout pitcher he's been in previous years. He's also on the road pitching in Oakland, pitching against an Oakland offense. So uh, an AL ballpark was going to have to face a DH instead of a pitcher. That's a little bit of a concern. Uh, so these are all things that is going to make it. So not that I don't want to roster Kershaw, but just that I don't want to roster as much as those other high-priced pitchers that I've mentioned. And I had mentioned uh, Scherzer. He's not on this lady pitches earlier in the day, so you can uh, throw that one out. As we adjust to, you know, again, it's a weird slate today. It's not Tuesday night, 15 night games at 7 o'clock. They're all spread out uh, throughout the day. All right, two more games to hit here. The Giants are at the Padres. As we mentioned earlier, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, almost certainly won't be a part of this game. The uh, partial dislocation of his shoulder last night. So the Padres lineup, not quite as fearsome when you start to take him out of the mix. And you have kind of an upside kind of pitcher in Aaron Sanchez. If he's healthy, at least had one really good year with the Toronto Blue Jays. It's been a minute since that happened, though. And then you, Darvish, um, back around for a second start for the Padres. Yeah, so, I mean, let's start with Darvish because I think he's one of the best pitching options on the slate, one of the best overall plays on the slate. He's a high priority for me on both Fandle and DraftKings. Uh, Darvish, 10000 on DK on Fandle, 10200 uh, so we have to have glass now is the most expensive pitcher on Fanduel. I don't think that should be the case. I think Darvish should be more expensive uh, than than glass now is. So uh, Darvish, uh, I think him and Giolito, that's like one A and one B for me on the night. Two guys that I definitely want to load up on. And I mean, nothing else to really add from the pitching end of him. He's uh, transformed himself from being a guy who was one of the best pitchers in baseball to somebody who looked like he was starting to drop off a little bit. And now he's back to being one of the best, best pitchers in baseball. I uh, got paid a bunch of money by the Padres in the offseason. I think he's going to be in the mix for, uh, for Cy Young this year. How about uh, with Tatis out, Ha-Sung Kim probably gets some time. I personally have not seen him play a lick of baseball, so I don't have a whole lot to, to throw out there on him. Is he someone that, that you've seen the early going here or even uh, playing overseas? So funny enough, uh, uh, as many diehard DFS players uh, will remember from last year, a lot of us were playing KBO baseball and – I altered my entire sleep schedule for KBO DFS baseball <laughs> last year because I didn't have anything else going on. Like I wasn't, I didn't have content to put out. I didn't have other DFS to play. So I was staying up all night to watch KBO baseball games. And Ha-Sung Kim was one of the best players in the KBO and was regularly priced in KBO DFS at like 64, 6,500. So it's funny now all of a sudden that he's relevant for uh, DFS slates where it's like, hey, he's 2,700 on DraftKings. And then on FanDuel, he's priced at, 
uh, what's his price off the top of my head? Somewhere around the same. Yep, uh, 2100 on FanDuel. So to me, he's a really strong value play. Maybe there's a little bit of a bias here just because he produced such good fantasy results. He brings that KBO nostalgia because, back for 5 a.m. baseball. Yeah, because it was, yeah, I got to, I got to wake up at the crack of dawn and uh, watch people I've never heard of play baseball. But Hassan Kim was, was really good. And he's still somebody who it's, it's really hard to translate numbers from the KBO to, uh, to, to, uh, to MLB, but still, I mean, Kim showed the potential to be a good fantasy producer just based on his outlook where he was a guy like, Hey, he has speed, he has power and he's played fairly well so far to start the year in the, uh, limited amount of times His one start that he got, he did pick up a couple of hits, uh, that was on the third. So a few days ago, but yeah, I mean, he's so cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings uh, that I think he is one of the better cheap options just based on we've seen him be a really, uh, really high caliber fantasy producer overseas. Last game on the slate, White Sox in Seattle. Lucas Giolito taking on James Paxton. And based on what you said earlier, you like Giolito tonight. Yeah, so Giolito, uh, if you're playing cash games on DraftKings, Giolito and Darvish, that is the pitching combination to have on FanDuel. I would still go Giolito in cash games just because he's $600 less expensive than you, Darvish. Also, uh, when two players are close, I'm generally going to look towards the ownership for cash games and then just say, like, okay, I want to go with whoever's more popular of the two. And uh, so Giolito is projected for 42% ownership on FanDuel. That's that's a number that would be really hard to get away from in a cash game type scenario. So uh, Giolito, really strong uh, pitching option for me. Where I think this game gets really interesting on the other side is with James Paxton. Because Paxton was one of the best fantasy pitchers in the league for years. Just the question is always, how healthy is he going to be? Because when James Paxton was healthy, he was an elite starting pitcher. He was just only healthy for a handful of starts each year. Then last year, what happened, we saw an actual decline for him. And his uh, when he was on the mound, he really struggled. And then also, it really showed up in his velocity number. So I'm just pulling up his uh, velocity really quick year by year. Uh, cause Paxton had one of the more significant, uh, declines. I don't, they don't have it up on Brooks baseball for last year, but I mean, off the top of my head, he's a guy who went from throwing like a 96 mile per hour average fastball to about 92 last year. And there was such a significant drop off. And then he pitched really well in spring training this year that I don't know what to expect from James Paxton this year. It is also, he's going back to Seattle versus where he struggled a little bit in New York. Uh, maybe there's some sort of familiarity with the pitching staff there or the training staff that'll, uh, they'll be able to get him healthy again and get his velocity back up. But this is a live bet situation for me where uh, Seattle's at home. We're going to be seeing Paxton right off the jump. If he's throwing 96, 97 miles per hour, I'm going to live bet the under in that spot. If he comes out and he's throwing 91, 92, I'm going to be looking to live bet the White Sox. This is a game that has uh, pretty uh, flat odds. The White Sox are very slight favorable. We're talking about minus 120. Uh, so I'm going to base a lot on how Paxton looks and how I want to bet this just right off the bat. Cause I think there's a scenario here where there's a lot of variance with Paxton. That's why also I want to roster him in GBPs. I also want to stack against him. I don't know if he's going to be a top line pitcher this year, or if he's going to struggle again, there's no way to know because we only saw a handful of starts from last year. He struggled. The velocity was down. Uh, so pretty wide range of outcomes here. That's something that I like to target in DFS uh, both for upside for him and upside against. So I'm going to be paying very close attention to Paxton's velocity in the early going. In the White Sox, and look, they can go out there with about eight guys hitting from the right-hand side. Uh, so, you know, it's not not the easiest matchup, even if it is at, at safe go and, well, whatever they're calling it now. If, even if they are in Seattle, uh, you know, we know the White Sox, they can they can rack up some num- uh, some runs real fast. So Tim Anderson won't be available in this series because of a hamstring issue. 
Yeah, neither will uh, Eloy Jimenez because he uh, tore his pec. And, yeah, the, the team made it seem like he died on opening day. But uh, <laughs> they're doing like a memorial to him. They were yeah. hanging his jersey up. But also a little bit of leverage here. Look at the White Sox, about 4.5% chance to be the top-scoring team on the slate, only 2% ownership. Uh, so another reason to kind of get some a little bit. But, yeah, I, I really have no clue what to expect from Paxton this year, and I don't know how anybody else could know either. Well, uh, our first show together in the books here, Greg, it was fun. I learned – uh, that there's a wood shortage in the world uh, when we were chatting a little bit before the show and, you know, locked and loaded for a, a busy night. Yeah, man, it was, uh, it was fun doing a show with you. And uh, I think we're going to do a lot more together. And we, uh, we learned about Lola, the pink glove. I'm telling you, <laughs> Luke Weaver needs to bring this thing out. It, that's what he's missing. Uh, still to come here on Awesome Mode today, you got the PGA strategy show at 1 o'clock, NHL at 2, the tip-off at 3, and MLB Live before lock at 4 o'clock. Thanks for joining. Like, subscribe.